Educators want to stay fresh with literacy instruction, but are so busy with students, they don't always have the time. All year long, Choice Literacy publishes and delivers the best K-12 literacy practices so that educators can grow their students as readers and writers with choice in literacy. Welcome to the Big Fresh Choice Literacy Podcast. I'm Ruth Ayers. What we do at NASA is inspiring. It's reaching. It's visionary. And it inspires people on Earth to try hard things. John M. Grunsfeld. Figure things out. My son Sam is on the physics and engineering team at the high school. Recently, they were one of 57 teams out of 600 to win the NASA TechRise Student Challenge. Now they get to build their designs and launch their experiments on a NASA-sponsored flight. This has been exciting especially since Sam is not a kid who gets excited about school. Although his test scores would tempt you to offer him more challenging work or shove college admittance applications into his hands, you would soon find that he is not compliant. He doesn't feel a need to please a teacher or prove learning through mindless questions or rote worksheets. This week's collection of articles has me thinking a lot about kids like Sam. We have a set of standards to teach and a group of kids who come from different experiences with varied aptitudes and unique capacities. What if kids have choice and ownership in their learning? For years, Sam has avoided homework or completed homework under forced conditions, only to throw it in the trash can at school rather than turn it into the teacher. He had strong principles about what he deemed as busy work. We've had to swallow our pride as he consistently brought home low grades on his report cards. Then, during his freshman year, a switch flipped. He began bringing home grades that reflected what the test scores say of his ability. What changed? I asked him at the end of the school year. I decided to play the game, he said. It's easier to just do what they want and get the grades. Although happy that there were no longer heated discussions about homework, or rather the lack thereof, I was a little sad to know he was still so hard-hearted about school. Compliance doesn't offer the conditions for curiosity, creativity, or passion. So, on a Friday night when he passed on a movie to work on a school project, I didn't hide my shock. Although Sam now brings home solid grades, his terms are to never work on schoolwork outside of school hours, nor to attend awards banquets for honor roll. If forced, he promised he will make sure to never get an invitation. What schoolwork do you have? I need to research our NASA experiment. I also want to design a few protocols. Was it assigned? I asked. Not exactly, he said. We just need to figure out some things. I walked away from our conversation wondering what would happen if kids were allowed to figure out some things more often in school. If you've ever thought this, then I'm sure you'll find this week's collection as interesting as I do. What's even more fascinating is that the collection spans grade levels. This week, we look at student-led learning, plus more, as always. 
So Kathy, Sam is so excited about winning this NASA Tech Prize Student Challenge. And it just was really making me think a lot about um, how do we get kids excited about learning and to feel like they're really part of that learning process? Yes, when I read the lead, it made me think of the same thing, just that feel of that energy when kids own that learning and take initiative. Um, the big lead, Ruth, when you were writing about Sam's experience, there was a sentence in here that just caught my attention. I can't really get away from it. And it was compliance doesn't offer the conditions for curiosity, creativity, or passion. And I felt like your lead and the articles that accompany this week's collection really shine a light on building those opportunities for curiosity, creativity, and passion for kids. And you're right. You know, I had Sam read this lead before I pushed it out into the world. And um, at the beginning where I, I'm talking about, you know, like you might want to give him, um, you know, more homework or a college application, but you'll soon find that Sam isn't compliant. And he, he kind of chuckled at that line and he was like, yeah, that's true. Um, and yet I've met very few people who are as creative as he is. And so it was just making me think about that idea of compliance and creativity. Um, and so this week, you're right, people are going to find within the newsletter and member content, uh, there's that course that's available, the Better Student Feedback, Giving, Receiving, and Using Student Feedback that all members have access to. I really enjoyed curating this, this course because I think that when we're thinking about feedback and the kind of feedback that we give to kids can really inspire and help them engage in their own learning process. Tara Barnett has this great article um, called A Perfect Opportunity for Choice, Showing Theme. And I, I enjoyed this article because sometimes I think we feel like in order to know if kids um, know the theme of a book, there's just like one way to get that information. And she's sharing uh, how she lets kids have some choice in how they share their learning. Tara is a middle school language arts teacher. And this article is paired with a first grade teacher, Ruth Metcalf. She's just started writing for Choice Literacy, but she has been a longtime uh, writer. She's written a couple professional books. And I so appreciate her, um, just the, the breath of fresh air that she's bringing. And so she is sharing an article about releasing responsibility to her first graders to create formative assessments uh, for their learning. It's this great um, story that starts her article. And she is just sharing about how her students are asking her to, to they wanna create their own seesaw assessment. So I think people really enjoy that. The classic classroom content is rounded out with, an, with a video of Christy Rush Levine conferring with a student over a reading response, and then an encore article from Tammy Mulligan, where she's talking about how kids are bored with their book clubs and then offers these playful choices for kids to respond and show their learning. What I always love about reading choice literacy is that you're seeing real experiences in the classroom and hearing about not just those glistening moments that shine, but also the hard moments that we all have in the classroom. And the article by Tammy, where she talks about getting feedback from her students, where the way that they're going about the learning isn't really working for them. And they're 
quite frank about it, actually. It had to stab her heart just a touch. But they work through it together and come out in a better place. And I feel like when I think about reading all of these articles, Ruth, it was really about letting kids take the lead in the work. And that requires a lot of clarity on the teacher's part. And also, I feel like giving kids the space to do that work and to really be there to listen. And all of these articles really speak to opening those doors and turning that learning over to kids, which is an art, quite honestly. It is an art. And uh, and yet people are so grounded, you know, in the, just in the, the their core beliefs and how instruction works. And so but Tammy's article where you know, the kids are like, this is boring. And she says, yeah, I take a deep breath and I listen to kids. And I think that's what we see happening in these articles. You know, Tara Barnett wrote the one about a perfect opportunity for choice showing theme. I loved the all the images she included in this article to help me understand how to do this in other classrooms. Yes, I love seeing the examples of the kids' work. And I also um, appreciated how she thought through the instruction that was going to be taking place and what she wanted kids to take away. And she articulated that to the kids. And once the kids understood that, wow, the work that they did to really show um, and to dig into that new understanding is a gift to be able to just kind of, I feel like I'm right in the classroom sitting beside them in their seats, taking a look at what they are doing and how they are showing that understanding. You're right about like, that's what's making this article so special. You know, you can go on the internet and find cool pictures all day long. And yet Tara is showing us how to do it. And those two downloads that she includes for readers, I, I think they're brilliant. Uh, really, I was a middle school teacher. I can see myself taking these and using them. One is the independent reading project choice board. And so she just shows, you know, like how she's presenting this to kids. And then the other one is the, the project rubric. Uh, how it's going to be graded and and giving kids those things up front, you're exactly right. Then they're producing evidence of their learning in really powerful ways. I think I was struck in all of the articles, Ruth, by the way uh, teachers are really present in that space and listening. And that's what creates that moment of opportunity where the kids step forward. And when I was reading Another nice piece about the Choice Literacy Collection is it always contains a few free articles for people to have a look at, articles that were written and published previously. And the article by Melanie Meehan, um, the Student Self-Assessment Strategies article, I just thought that one really helped me to think about how important it is to be able to listen to kids and shape learning based on what they're telling us they understand and don't understand. Um, She explains going into a classroom to work alongside a teacher and the kids don't really understand what it is they're trying to do. And they kind of have to take a step back. And I, I know Ruth, you're seeing like I'm seeing all the articles that are going around about state legislators and legislation trying to be put in place to dictate lockstep teaching. And I thought this article was just the perfect example of why that's never going to work because the kids in our classrooms, what they know and what they do is always so different. And so teachers have to be knowledgeable about what kids need to know, those foundational skills, those things. 
but they also have to have the flexibility to be able to adjust when kids don't understand. One of the things I really appreciated about Melanie's article also, Kathy, was the way that she, the kids were writing on the charts and people can see this, click into the article and you're going to see those images. And what it did was, first of all, of course, it's honoring the student's learning process, but then it's also giving the teachers this way to talk about their expectations in a really kid-friendly language, because we can grab the way that kids are talking about it and use that uh, really to help lift the level of writing in the classroom. Ruth, I don't know about you, but this one always makes me kind of smile because I cannot tell you how many times I work to find just the lesson that will help kids understand something they were having difficulty with. And when I handed it to the kids, every single time they came up with words I would have never thought of, it's so much better. So I think Melanie's article is a good reminder of turning those conversations over to the learning community and what we can gain from that. And I thought the same was true in the leaders lounge this week. I felt like the articles really spoke to those that work alongside teachers in a way that reminds us that we need to let them lead the conversations that we're having and build those partnerships. And Josie Stewart and Hannah Tills share an article, what happens when teachers receive conflicting advice. And they talk about a situation where a new teacher is kind of hearing one thing from their colleagues. And then when they go to have a coaching conversation that trying to think through what they've heard and what they're trying to do and help them move forward. And this is a tricky situation that I think sometimes we get into because we want to honor all the voices, but we weren't part of those conversations. And they do such a nice job sharing some ways to work through that. It really made me think, Ruth, about new teachers and how many different things they do here from different people and how difficult that can be to weigh. I am really excited about Josie and Hannah's voice on the site. Um, when I read this, uh, their final version, I was just like, I wish I would have had this article when I started coaching. Like it would have saved me from so many sticky situations because this is the work of a coach, right? Like you're coming in alongside people, but like you said, you're not hearing all of the conversations. And then how do you honor and yet still keep um, maybe the district vision uh, in mind and moving towards that? And so they, they offer several different ways that allow coaches to be able to navigate this tricky conversation. I love that. And it was so clear. And they gave like uh, four, I think, different ways that you might, maybe even five different ways that you might step forward with that work, but even some of the language you might use. But what I loved most of all is that they really kept all of that in the hands of the new teacher because teachers need that ability to think through and do what's best for their kids and understand that they have different choices that will lead to different places. And I felt like these conversations really kept that with the new teacher. It can be so easy to just tell new teachers and lockstep what to do, but will that help them in the next situation? And I feel like they are sharing ways to help them in the next situation and the situation after that and for years to come. There's a coaching minute by Holly Winning. She's a secondary um, coach. She works with middle and high school teachers. And I really appreciated uh, her thoughts 
It's just some advice for navigating tough conversations. And you know, Kathy, really, this is the work of, um, of instructional coaches, of literacy leaders. Like we're just constantly navigating sticky conversations all day long. Yeah, I always enjoy watching the video clips and just hearing people talk about their thinking and the decision-making they do. And I thought it paired so nicely um, with the article that was included, the link to We Are Teachers. Principals share their tips for keeping cool during hard conversations by Julie Mason. Um, what I enjoyed about this, Ruth, was there were several examples of how people handle those challenging conversations. And I think we all have our go-to things that work for us personally, just because of who we are. But it also made me think a little bit, Ruth, about who the person is sitting beside us. Like so often being able to handle a conversation isn't just about understanding my own skill set, but also understanding how that person beside me really um, ticks what they prefer, how they handle things. And sometimes that is a better way into a challenging conversation. I think it's one of the gifts of coaches and administrators and people who have that um, opportunity to work alongside their colleagues and knowing them so well that they can sometimes also think about that person beside them and how to engage. So these were just some fun little things to read through, or I guess I shouldn't say fun, I should say very helpful ways to think through how to address some of those challenging conversations. I enjoyed it. At Choice Literacy, we know that you want to be an educator who makes students' lives better through literacy. In order to do that, you need access to comprehensive literacy practices delivered in a way you will actually use. With over 150 in-the-field contributors, we understand the pressure to reach a variety of needs and not enough time to do it, which is why we hold true to workshop tenets like Choice and share practical ways to plan and deliver literacy instruction straight to the point of student need. You can find links to all of the articles discussed in the show notes or sign up for the Big Fresh so you can have the links delivered directly to your inbox. Keep growing readers and writers by offering choice in literacy.